When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. This is your host, Jonathan, and I'm joined as always by Chase. Chase, how are you? I'm doing very well in spite of the recent results, <laughs> uh, specifically the most recent result of the Hornets <laughs> basketball games. Uh, I, I've been I've been doing pretty well. I uh, Full disclosure, um, I generally watch every Hornets game because if I'm not the one even if i'm not the one like recapping it or whatever i like to it, i need to generally stay abreast of what's going on uh i t- told myself on monday for the celtics game that i, was like, I don't want to subject myself to this because chase was covering it and so i was like i'm gonna dvr it i'm gonna wa- look at what the score is later and if it looks like it was fun i'll watch it and the first time i checked the score was like it was like 40 to 19 I'm like yep good good call by me and it never really got close after that. No, I think it was like it, it started five to four, like in the first quarter. And that was <laughs> as close as it got. Like the Celtics went on a huge run from there. Uh, it was 45 to 19 after the first quarter. It was funny, though, because the Hornets outscored the Celtics in two of the four quarters. <laughs> but they got they got shellacked in the other two quarters, <laughs> the first and third, uh, giving up 45 and 43 in those quarters. The Celtics, I mean, the Hornets, it is so funny because Brian Scalabrini, the uh, NBC Sports commentator, I, and I watched this game on NBC Sports because it was uh, an in-market game, so League Pass was yeah. like, what it was being weird and like laggy because it can't handle simple requests, so I just switched <laughs> to my normal streaming service and watched it on there. So I was watching the Celtics commentators, who obviously were having a much different uh, experience uh, through through this game than any Hornets fan or what Eric and Dell likely were having. Uh, I w- that kind of makes me want to go back and watch it just to see Eric's <laughs> reaction to the to the first quarter barrage of three pointers. But I mean, the Celtics made twenty four threes, had forty assists on fifty five made field goals, like. The Hornets just had no chance. Like then, and Brian Scal. Back to what I started this sentence with was Brian Scalabrini <laughs> repeatedly said uh, at the end of the game and in the post game press conference that the Hornets didn't play that bad. But it's like Scal, they lost by thirty five. <laughs> they gave up one hundred and forty points. They had a hundred. The Celtics had one hundred and twenty one after three quarters. They were playing bad. <laughs> they they were playing bad. They shot well. Uh, the offense wasn't that bad. Shout out to Jalen McDaniels, uh, career high, 24 points, career high, four uh, three-pointers made. PJ had a solid game. Uh, Bryce McGowan's and Kai Jones did some cool stuff, uh, but that was all <laughs> offensively. They were, it was like the worst right. defensive effort, uh, defensive performance I've ever seen. But, uh, I yeah. mean, there's there's like nothing to glean from that game other than uh, just being like, please don't ever do that again. 
we shouldn't play the fourth. Like, it's it's wild to give up 19 points in the fourth quarter in garbage time and still give up 140 for the game. It's yeah, um, it was. <laughs> it's so crazy. There was a point, 121 there, through three quarters is nuts. That's a, yeah, that's like an impressive number to make in four quarters. And I know I checked at one point in maybe mid late third quarter, and Boston was shooting I think like 67 percent from the field. Yeah, like, it, I mean, it was, they, it they was, currently have the best offense. Uh, like in NBA history, like their offensive rating for right. this point in the season, like no team has ever had an offensive rating of 121.5. They're seven yeah. points higher than the second place Suns, and from the Suns to seven points is uh, 29th to San Antonio. <laughs> the so, difference between first and second is basically the, same. the, the, yeah. the span of almost the entire league. Yeah, their offensive rating the uh, for the Hornets is the league worst is 105.9. So they are. Uh, <laughs> 15 points better or 16 or 14 points better than the Hornets. So, which, and that came through loud and clear on Monday. Yes, night. it absolutely did. And, and Monday night, I think is a good, uh, especially with the days off that we have here that we're using, taking advantage of to do this, um, kind of a, uh, fork in the road for this season. And it probably, the, the team itself probably won't make any changes now. But in terms of kind of what our expectations are and what maybe makes more sense, um, the Hornets, I think, plan on coming like, well, especially if you date this back to, uh, you know, late June, the Hornets probably plan on coming into the season with the, they are, they very clearly were coming into this season with the extent or the expectation of being competitive um, through injuries and bad play and everything else. Um, they're six and 15. They are the, they have what the third type of the third worst record in the league right now. Uh, yes, they there are only three. Yeah, three teams have fewer wins. I don't know about the win percentage part, but Houston, Detroit, and Orlando have all won uh, five games. Yeah, so they're tied for the well, they're, yeah, the tie for the or the fifth worst record in the league, behind the Pistons, Magic, Rockets, and Spurs because the Spurs have one more loss. Um, so where? do we go from here now like like it's still early we've only played we played almost exactly a quarter of the season but for the hornets to get to 500 from here they have and 500 maybe gets them like in the play-in tournament again right so they'd have to go 35 and 26 the rest of the way like from today going forward and we're still missing lamella ball we're still missing gordon hayward we're still missing cody martin that doesn't seem attainable to you, does it? No, it's, it, it really doesn't. I mean, I would imagine that even people like within the building have probably reached that point too, because like you said, yeah. it would have to start the next game. Like, and LaMelo's out, Hayward's out, Cody Martin's out, Dennis Smith Jr.'s out too. Like he was still in a yeah. walking boot in the last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon. And that 11 or nine games over 500 would just be a preposterous like turnaround for a team that has been like, even when they were close to fully healthy, because they literally have not been fully healthy for one game. I don't think this year, but even when they were no. close to fully healthy, they hadn't really like put it together in the way that we had thought that they might offensively defensively. Yeah. They were pretty good. Even now they're in the top 20 in, uh, in the league after these, the six and 15 start, which is pretty solid given the the personnel, but 
I mean, just looking at where they're at now, they're 11 and a half games out of first place. So they have like the distance between them and first place and like the teams at the top of the conference is just completely like their records are pretty much flipped. Sixth place, they're five and a half games back. The, the Hawks are 12 and 10. So they still have double the amount of wins that the Hornets do right now. Uh, the 10th place, which is the last spot in the play-in, they're only three and a half games back from that. But the, that's the Knicks who are 10 and 12. The Heat are 10 and 12. Like you have to imagine that some of these teams in that range might pick it up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine that the Heat are an under 500 team like at the end of the year. The Knicks maybe, the Wizards might fall off a little bit too. The Pacers as well, they're still 12 and 8 up oh, there. But like, yeah. there's just so many teams between the Hornets and the playoffs, even if the Hornets got better, that like are they're also good. And like getting past these teams is just like the likelihood of that is so so slim even if they can come back and get close like the the hole that they've dug through like these 21 games is just is just too deep and what's likely to be more than 21 games too because right. like we've said like nobody seems really close to coming back other than Dennis Smith potentially right so it, it, yeah cuz i think Cody Martin's time frame was going to be around it was like close to christmas time uh, who knows with Lamella Ball? They might. They're probably going to. Yeah, they they said he had no timetable. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they'll probably be even more cautious because and like shout out to that guy for not getting picking his feet up when the player was running into him. That's just like poor spatial awareness. Um, not that it's not that it's his fault, but yeah, you gotta pick the you, you gotta you gotta pick the feet up when you're sitting on a chair or if you're sitting and, and someone's running up on you, you gotta pick your feet up off the floor. That's just yeah, like no, that was common. Pretty- common like understanding of how uh, like floor awareness yeah and like and someone has to be blamed for this like yeah. <laughs> th- this is like this all of the what has happened to the hornets is, so far this year for the most part is just like bad luck and like yeah. poor injury luck this is something a very easy thing or person to be blamed now like we can just <laughs> hang our hats on this and be like oh it ha- it's because that one guy just didn't move his foot like that, everything if, went downhill from there like that was but, it It'd be really funny if the Hornets end up with the first pick and we get Wimby, and then that guy can be like, if it weren't for me. Yeah, he, he shows up at courtside <laughs> wearing like a white suit and a, a diamond <laughs> ring. He's like, you see what this got me? Like, I, right. I, I brought you I brought you Wimby. Now I own this yeah. franchise. <laughs> so, and, but to circle back where we were, like three and a half games is definitely not, like it, it doesn't seem unattainable. But... I feel like looking at it bigger picture, like I was saying, like to kind of hit a target of where you would think to where you would want to be by the end of the year to be in a desirable playoff spot or even in like a chance to make the playoffs just seems lofty. Like that seems like the ceiling for a fully healthy Hornets team. And like you said, like we were, like we said, the Hornets are not even close to fully healthy and they're not playing anywhere near their ceiling right now like they have no momentum from the players that are playing it's not like the guys that are playing are playing well but uh, for their standards but they're just outclassed like terry's playing poorly uh pj's like up and down mason plumley's bad uh kelly Oubre is i guess the one exception maybe where he's like playing decently but he's so far above the kind of role he needs to be playing that it's become a detriment to the team and so i just it it just doesn't seem like something that is realistic to hope for and by that i mean like winning enough games to make this season competitive right 
Yeah, it would just be so tough to to like because right now you're like what this offense has essentially become is like alternating Kelly Oubre, Terry at times, but even then he's like the he has to play point guard. So you're basically alternating between like Kelly Oubre, PJ, and Jalen McDaniels, whoever is the hottest as like your shot creator, like yeah. shot maker, like floor spacer, and it's like those guys can't be the very first option on that list of player. Like they can do those things like, but they have to be like the third or fourth option because other, like the defense can scheme for them in such an easier way than they can for players like LaMelo or Hayward or Terry or whoever else in the NBA. That's like a number one, two, three option where these guys are like role players. And that's literally, that's completely fine. They're like, they're very good at that. Like we've seen, we saw that last year when Kelly Oubre is playing a role that's fit for Kelly Oubre, he can set a franchise record in three for three pointers made in a game. Like he can score 37 points. Like PJ Washington can score 44 on a given night if he's in the right scenario. But that right scenario is not with him as the best player on the team, which is kind of like on a given night, it's either him, Kelly, Jalen McDaniels. It really hasn't been Terry all that often, unfortunately. Like Mm. he he's, shooting 30.1% from three on 8.7 attempts per game, 38% from the field. Uh, I mean, he's averaging 5.6 assists per game, which is leading the healthy players right now, but LaMelo <laughs> and DSJ are high, are higher than that. Uh, but obviously not, neither of them are on the floor right now, but when he, he's just not like a pure point guard necessarily he can you know snake a pick and roll create a shot for himself a little bit like dump it off to mason or nick but he's just not like an orchestrator in the same way that Lamelo or even hayward or right. cody martin can be like or dennis like it's just is there's so it's, there's just so much missing that makes it like impossible to imagine the team getting better as is but and even when guys come back like it'll take a while too Right, Terry. Terry gets assists more just by as a product of how often he has the ball in his hands more exactly. than he's a natural more as than he's a natural like shot creator distributor type of player. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, and, when, and when his best role is very clearly as like an off ball mover, just a guy yeah. that takes like a three to four dribbles and kicks the ball out and runs off another screen. Right, and then Kelly Oubre, and then like a team that has Kelly Oubre shooting seventeen shot attempts per game is not going to be good. Like the the thing is with Kelly Oubre is when Kelly Oubre's hot, you like ride the hot hand because when Kelly Oubre gets hot, like no one gets hotter. Uh, the problem is the Hornets right now is if Kelly Oubre, the thing that, that's one of his big drawbacks in general is when Kelly Oubre's cold, Kelly Oubre just thinks he needs to take a few more shots to get hot and he like almost shoots more and the Hornets cannot rein it in because they just don't have the bodies at all. So it's just like, oh God, Kelly's. Uh, 0 for 6, he's about to fire up the next three three-pointers he gets because he thinks he just needs to shoot himself out of it. And there's the Hornets just have nothing else they can do. They're just like, well, he's not making them. And that's been one of the downfalls of the offense in general is they're just not making jump shots. And there's not really much you can do or say about that other than just like, hopefully they turn it around, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of hoping that I think we're <laughs> we're gonna have to do here for the next. I mean, it's crazy that it's only November thirtieth, but right. I mean, basketball is fun at least just as a basic level fact. You know, this is the sport of basketball is good, <laughs> and the Hornets will still be playing basketball between 
now and the end of the season. So at least we got that. Yeah. So and then the other thing, I guess, with the in the kind of in that vein with the season going south very quickly and going poorly. Um, I wrote about this on Wednesday uh, and I wanted to kind of talk to you and get your thoughts on it. Um, we really should be seeing more Richards and less Plumley, and probably very little Plumley by like 2020, by like the new year, if the season continues down this route. Right. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I honestly feel like, I mean, not that I would call myself like a defender of Mason Plumley, but among Hornets fans, I think I probably have like a more favorable view than I think you and I both have always been relative to the general, the general opinion of him been like Plumley stands like. Yeah, really, honestly, (laughs) like the the general (laughs) fan probably is like, get this guy out of here for a much longer time than either you or I have been. But right at this point, it's just it's it's literally it's inevitable. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned in your art or all of them. But the main reason (laughs) that I thought was like, he's just not a part of the future. Like, right. And the future is not only it's like literally now, like if, Mm. if, because if this team is going to be like honest with themselves, like we've just been talking about and being like the likelihood that we make a playoff push that we were hoping for is slim to none. Like let's shift gears a little bit. His contract is expiring. Like, are you going to re-sign him for like a mid-level exception deal or probably like a little lower? Like, when you just drafted Kai Jones and Mark Williams in back-to-back drafts and you have Nick Richards finally blossoming when you're give, being able to give him some minutes, like there's just, it's just not possible to have him factored into the equation at all in the long term. So it's also he, just like prohibitive financially. Cause, and I have to look at the salaries in general, cause I, we would have expected to have less salary cap space with miles bridges, but, I don't know what the Hornets cap situation is. Yeah, they don't have any cap room and they have because of the cap holds on PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley. So you got to rescind those to have room to do anything. And like, surely you don't use Mason Plumley on that $17 million cap hold. No, that would that. Yeah, it's just like, it's all just points to him being gone either by the trade deadline or, very very soon into the free agency period so and it's like why would you wait for that decision to be made in like a front office perspective and when you Mm. could just make it from an on-court perspective now like and just be like okay nick richards is good like he doesn't he's not like showing flashes he's like showing potential like oh nick richards is doing some things like he's a good center like he has been all year like he can play minutes every single night you can rely on him to do different things but he will do things as well if not better than mason plumley in pretty much every category of the game except for like passing but like the hornets aren't a good enough offense to where like a passing center matters like which is what you said in the article again like it's right. just, like literally everything it just kind of stacks up to being like feed minutes to nick richards let kai and mark JT PJ maybe even for small ball minutes like fight yeah. for those backup center spot and then just kind of like not like phase him out like because he's like not useful but just phase him out because he has he just doesn't fit at all anymore with this team specifically right there's just no point yeah it it it, 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 it really there's no point in any direction right like like it's it's yeah it's become so fast too 
Right. If you want to win games, Plumlee needs fewer minutes because the Hornets are getting really badly outplayed when he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. And they're playing decently with Richards on the floor. They're playing crazy well with Richards and Dennis Smith on the floor together, which is kind of cool, but that's also super small sample size. But anyway, like, so if they're trying to win games. Richards needs more minutes because he's just playing better. And then if we're building for the future, we don't need 32-year-old expiring Mason Plumlee playing minutes when we have Nick Richards and Kai Jones and then Mark Williams wanting, like, needing more minutes. And then Nick Richards is also a restricted free agent this coming summer. And you kind of want to – I think he's established himself as just good, but I think you want to get as much of that as you can, right? You want to make sure – because players go hot and cold, and you want to make sure that you're not getting, like, Nick Richards playing over his head. You want to make sure he can sustain it for a whole season with extended minutes, and then you have a good idea of how to value him when he hits free agency this coming summer. So I don't know of any defense – the only defense, like I said, and it's kind of mean, but like if the Hornets do want to lose games, I guess that's the one excuse to keep Plumley out there. Because if nothing else, it's it's solidified that playing Plumley leads to being outscored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to see the Hornets tank, you should be rooting for Mason Plumley to start. And I feel like right. a lot of the people that are rooting for the Hornets to tank do not root for Mason Plumlee to start. So maybe may, the, the Venn diagram is like two circles that are 10 yards apart uh, of those two groups. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but though, like, I think we'd rather the Hornets lose with like Kai Jones. Like, Absolutely. Playing, tr- thinking he's the best player on the floor and doing nonsense as opposed to like Mason Plumlee shooting left-handed free throws and like awkwardly. I, I I've ne- I don't understand how an NBA player looks so uncomfortable projecting the ball at the basket. Like even his little jump hooks that he's pretty good at, he like throws them backwards over his head. Like he just can't shoot like a forward shot with his right hand, with his dominant hand. I don't understand. Yeah, he has like negative touch. It is it is pretty, <laughs> and he's such a good passer and has such a good feel for the game too. Usually, like those two things are like kind of go hand in hand. Right, but I, not have, not for for Mason Plumlee, and he's a decent ball handler too. Like he'll like yeah. he'll like go and like hit hit a couple like a little dribble combo move on a center, and it's like oh dang, look at Mason, and then he will throw like the hardest brick when he gets to the basket. Exactly, and I feel like that is what makes people hate his like coast to coast point guard like point Plumlee uh, yeah. takes so much is because the they usually are like million dollar move, ten cent finish, but like. <laughs> right. The million, it's a million dollar move. Like, for, for he does have some pretty expansive, like, open court ball handling for a guy that is like as big as he is. But unfortunately, it just doesn't matter for the Hornets. It's it's just very strange. But um, yeah, I I think I think we'll talk about it some more on the other side because I think there's some some relevance to these other topics. But yeah, I think we're kind of at a point where uh. I don't want to say we've given up on the season, but I think the expectations are now like we look forward. the 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 really unfortunate part about it is there's just, there's like no one to watch and root for right now with the players that are out. Like normally when the team is bad, like when the Hornets were bad in Lamelo's, uh, or like, and I guess that were that way. But like normally there's some young guy or a couple young guys on a team to root for when the team is really bad. But right now. It's just like a hodgepodge of like role players and 
it's just role players. Like no, there's no like future star to to like really like be looking for flashes from. It's just kind of like boring. It's just boring, bad. Yeah, right. Like even when the the Hornets had like were bad a couple years ago, like they had Devonte Graham like bursting on yeah. the scene. PJ was right. a rookie and was really good. Like, but now it's like all the players that are playing big minutes are veterans. A couple of them, Kelly Oubre and Mason, are assuredly not a part of the future. Terry and Gordon, like, we honestly don't even know. PJ's a restricted free agent, and he's, like, compared to the rest of some of the players on this team, like, he's not even, like, a young guy anymore, even though he's still on his rookie contract. And then it's, like, the rest of the young players are all bigs. So it's, like, until Mason Plumley isn't there anymore, who is the starter that has received the bulk of the minutes due to being, like, a veteran that can execute schemes and pass and whatnot. Yeah the other guys aren't getting minutes like like mark williams is in the g league you want to hear mark williams's g league stats right now just for oh some, oh some we were gonna get games? to that we're, we're gonna get to that in a little bit so oh we'll, we'll get yeah we'll get okay. to that all right we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to that one then but it's don't, like don't mark steal my thunder ha- all right mark has been <laughs> dominating the g league kai has just started i mean he's been played in 12 games but he's just started to get like actual minutes uh yeah. against boston like and during- minnesota Right, like during the run of like actual like first half, not garbage time minutes. Yeah, Teo Maladon has been pretty good, but he's on a two way contract. Like he's not even on the guaranteed roster. Like he can only play fifty games this season, at a ma- maximum. And then James Booknight would be the one guy where you could kind of maybe be like, all right, we're getting something. But like he, for lack of a better word, has been like terrible this year. Like <laughs> right, that was so. That's like the one thing you could point to to be like, all right, give us something. And it's been all of that we have wanted from James Booknight has been, came from Bryce McGowan, who is also on a two way <laughs> contract and is a rookie right. himself, himself. Like that, that was what I was gonna say. It was like the one is like Mark Williams when he when he gets there, and then Kai Jones and James Booknight are like the only guys that are that like qualify for be excited for the future guys and Kai hasn't played yet. So maybe they're like the jury slot on him. And I mean, the jury saw on all of them, but Kai hasn't played yet. And book night's been so bad that it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't really know. It's just kind of like, well, it's kind of, it, it, there's nothing to be excited about other than like, you hope like he has like these moments like against Minnesota where he hit a couple threes and they looked really confident. And it's like, okay, there you go, James. And then he comes back and does, gets what gets repeatedly roasted by Jason Tatum in Boston and makes goes one for seven from the field. It's like, okay, maybe that wasn't anything in Minnesota or against Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to bring up the Boston game again because that was embarrassing for anybody whose eyes were pointed at the court for that <laughs> 48 minutes of basketball, like fan coach player, whatever. But specifically when James or T- Jason Tatum was like, calling for switches like backing the ball out like pointing at his teammates to set a screen for him to get James Booknight switched on him and then just absolutely dusting him was like <laughs> Jason Tatum does that to basically everyone because he's like realistically been the best player in the NBA this season but like he had 49 points the night yeah. of the recording of this so yeah yeah, right. Yeah, the night we're recording this, he became the first player in NBA history to score 45 points, uh, have 10 rebounds, and make eight threes in a game. So, 
I mean, that that's the type of, of level that he's on this year. But, like, that was just – that was ugly what he was doing to James Book <laughs> It was so blatant that he was being like, put this guy on me and I'm going to get right by him and do whatever I want. And he did it every single time. It was – it was not good. I, I like stuff. I was like, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> this is this is bullying at this point. Yeah, like, this no, is... <laughs> it, like it, and it's like he, it's it's like James Booknight is way shorter than him. So he, there's the likelihood that even if James Booknight was a lockdown defender, that he would be able to stop him is very slim. But it was just like the moment made it so much worse, too. Yeah. And then just with the general state of the game and how bad the hornets are playing yeah. and, the, and like the his, se- running his away season in general it was like jesus i <laughs> know just like the guy needs a win and then the hornets need a win from him just just to give us something because it's been bad yeah. um i the only the only thing is like i just he has basically this season to figure it out and i just because i just think about uh jordan Poole and anthony simons who were like the worst players in the NBA in their early, their uh, first like season or two in the league. And uh, they've become really good, especially Anthony Simons. Jordan, I mean, Jordan Poole's really good too, but Jordan Poole's still like. Yeah, he's like, he's a bit of a sieve on defense, unfortunately. And, Poole, and Simons is really good though. Jordan Poole also just strikes me as like, how do I put this? Because it's going to sound really incorrect, but he's just like a really, really good, effective bad player because he's still like really reckless and he makes his decision making is very questionable but he's just like talented enough that it doesn't matter and i've never seen a player get called for so many travels on the catch but he makes he, it work. he is like if kelly Oubre grew up like with instagram right like, it kind of <laughs> is, is like what i would yeah. em- envision his play style and also the warriors have figured out where they just like don't try to fit Jordan Poole into anything. They just like put Jordan Poole in with the bench and they're like, all right, Jordan, this is your time to shine. Like go crazy. And then the the whole entire offense is just like feed Jordan the rock and hope he gets hot. And uh, because if he, he's not a player that it's like, it's like Kelly Oubre. He's a good comparison where it's like, you don't, you don't rein him in. You just like live with the recklessness and hope that his talent, you know, he makes it work because he's so talented. But anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to talk about the buzz, who's buzzing and wasn't and uh, kind of look ahead as best we can to the rest or the next chunk of the season. So be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to That the High Podcast. This is Jonathan, joined by Chase. Uh, Chase, I know we kind of put this up. Um, we kind of we kind of threw this together quickly, so I don't know. If, do you have buzzin, who's buzzing and who's wasn't, who wasn't? Because if you don't, I have a couple we can talk about. 
You know what? I think I'll give the floor to you for this one. I, right. I hadn't I hadn't prepared. I don't want to I don't want to half ass yeah. it, you know. Oh, uh, it's okay. So the, the my wasn't was just going to be the the Hornets offense in general. And they've been bad all season, but the level of incompetence has hit. So the Hornets beat the Warriors basically around the last time we talked and we were like pretty good. You know, this season's looking pretty good. This team might be legit. And uh, that was 15 games ago. Um, And since that time, the Hornets rank 30th in offensive rating. 30th in field goal percentage. 30th in three-point percentage. There are 30 teams in the NBA. It's not good. No. That is not good. And I, the, the offensive rating in that time, too, is a cool 103. 103 points per 100 possessions. That's bad. You score it's... two points for every shot in basketball, folks. And three <laughs> for those, the ones that come from behind that big circular line that you see on the court out there. That's bad. Like, I, I'm not sure, like, what level of historically bad, but it has to be some level. Right. So 103 is roughly the offensive rating of the we are trying to be as bad as the NBA's ever seen Oklahoma City Thunder of the last couple of years. Yeah, that's that's not where you want to be uh, for a team <laughs> that is was trying to win basically every it, game. <laughs> and is like constructed mostly of veterans getting minutes right now. Like that's that's like rookies that don't know what they're doing type offensive numbers. Like that's like the process 76ers type of offensive rating. Um, and like, or, or just like anybody in like the mid two thousands or nineties where teams like didn't know how to play basketball yet. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, which by the way, just as an aside, I picked a random year, 2003, 2004, uh, the Raptors had the worst offensive rating in the league with 95.3. Ugh, yuck. Yeah. yeah. See, and people used to, played... how do people like basketball then? No, That's I know that I was uh, <laughs> I was reading like I don't remember what it was. But it was some article online. And it was about talking about like how pace has like it's gone like up and down like way more than you'd think. Like in the sixties oh, and seventies, yeah, yeah, like basketball, they were flying up and down the court. And like <laughs> no, the, they were, it was era. like a hundred and twenty possession per game, and we're like at a hundred ish right now on average. Yeah. They yeah, were, they were, yeah. <laughs> they they were shooting like 38% from the field and scoring 125 points a game with no three-point line. Yeah, like those guys were chucking, <laughs> but like in the mid 2000s, it slowed to a crawl. I have no idea how anybody in their like late 20s, early 30s got into basketball as children. <laughs> like it is remarkable that they right. were watching like all of these guys just like dribble the ball up the court and like stand there and like point around and then miss for like feed the, feed the post and then shoot a yeah 22 foot jump shot with three seconds left on the shot clock yeah yeah but like the hornets offense is that quality but while <laughs> but while being in 2022 and trying to do all not all but like most of the modern basketball things right we're doing the we're doing the things that make the offense make offense easier and still having a terrible offense yeah like they're seventh in offensive rebounding percentage like that's pretty good that's 30 30.9 yeah. of their their own misses and in an offensive rebound, like almost a third. Like that's, that's a very good number. Uh, like you would think that that would make them reasonable on offense, but it's like uh, how often those offensive rebounds are ending in another 
or in second chance points and aren't ending just in another miss that ends in a defensive rebound, you know, that that's a different story, but I mean, here, here's to, to add more context to this. The Hornets are third in the league in percentage of shots at the rim and they're 30th in effective field goal. percentage. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like that's brutal, man. Like you're just in the wise words of one Gordon Hayward, they are just like smoking bunnies just every time <laughs> nobody's finishing at the rim. And I, this was something I was going to, I meant to bring up when we were talking about Nick and Mason too. I, I hadn't noticed this until I was like really digging into like Hornet stats recently. I think a big reason why uh, the offense is like not good with Mason uh, and it's not like great, I guess with Nick, but is a little bit better is they're both like not good rim shooters like at all this year they're both at 65 percent at the rim that's like bottom quarter of the league uh for centers so hopefully like when kai and mark start playing those guys like dunk everything and finish like kai is the most athletic seven footer in the universe it seems mark (laughs) is super strong already hopefully that becomes like more of a strength than a weakness uh, uh as the year goes on and hopefully they start, those two guys specifically start playing more minutes with the Hornets. Uh, one other, one other thing with this cleaning the glass stuff that I pulled up. If the Hornets shot league average, uh, based on their location of their shots, like uh, they would have the fifth best effective field goal percentage in the league. So like that means that means the process is great. They're, they're taking the yeah. right shots. They're just missing them. And I think that's what makes it like. Like that's how you're able to lose by 35 and shoot 50% like in that yeah. in a game against like the Celtics. Like the you're go, you're doing the, the right things. It's just like it it works sometimes but not often enough and like with the the level of talent you'd have on this roster, you'd have to shoot 70% on like ever <laughs> to just make up for like the defensive mistakes or turnovers or whatever else it would be that you're unfortunately yeah. giving up. <laughs> It, it, and then to the the talent, another thing, just like the Warriors are twenty have the twenty fourth best like shot quality, so to speak, and they're second in effective field goal percentage because they're just crazy. Yeah. Steph Curry, but yeah. So the Hornets, and that's like where to circle back to like the offense being bad. It's it's what's so frustrating is like they get open looks and they get to the basket and they just miss. And one of the things about um about their missing, um. They get their shot blocked more than anybody else in the league by a lot. I don't know if it, it, it's felt like that anecdotally, and maybe that I don't know if you if you felt that too. But statistically, the Hornets get their shots blocked the most more than anyone else in the league, and it's not really close. Like the Hornets average seven point one blocked shots against per game. Like they get seven point one shots blocked per game. And the next the next highest is six point three. Damn. Yeah, I I hadn't really noticed that, like just watching games. But I guess it does make sense, like with what I just said about Nick and Mason's rim finishing. Yeah. That's always kind of been a weakness for Terry. PJ has always been a little bit subpar as a as a. Uh, yeah, that, that actually does make to, a lot of sense. I'm about to look. I feel like PJ has got to be one of the most blocked players in the league. PJ, yeah, that's I've kind of that that's not just PJ in general, but that skill set specifically, I've kind of just given up on that improving yeah he i mean he's at 71 percent at the rim this year which is better but it's still 45th percentile in the league like well well below or not well below but 
markedly below, below league average. Like he yeah. was he was in the seventh percentile as his second year <laughs> in the league at fifty four percent at the rim. Like oh, only yeah. making just over half of your shots uh, within four feet of the basket is like not it, that's not what you want from a guy that plays in the front court. Like that's very detrimental to your offense and how defenses yeah. are going to treat you when you catch the ball at the rim. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just been a failure on all fronts, and and like I know the easy culprit is Steve Clifford and the coaching staff with all of the turmoil that they went through last year. But like we said, the quality of shots are good. The players are just not making the shots, and the the three point percentage is a product of that because players are just missing open shots, and then the shots blocked against that are just is just like I I think it's it shows the quality of decision making at the basket, right? Of like shooting contested shots or not having the savvy to like draw fouls or draw contact or kick out or whatever. We're just jamming our head like against the wall, trying to just like throw up shots at the basket and not playing with any control or poise and just getting. And then I think it's also the players themselves. Like Plumlee gets blocked a lot because he has no, no fluidity at all. Richards is not always the strongest going up for around the rim. PJ gets blocked or stripped. It seems like mm, 30, 30% of the time that he drives to the basket. So it's just <laughs> not not working. The shot, the, the idea is good. The execution's been poor. Um, on a positive note, the buzzin' that I stopped you from talking about earlier is uh, Mark Williams is the best player in the world. Mark Williams is buzzing. The Greensboro Swarm might be buzzing. They they had well, they, they, they had themselves the quite a night. They yeah they yeah, did lose well, to the second one. And I'll I'll have you know the, the same Maine team. Celtics <laughs> swept the Westchester Knicks in a two game series. So uh, I I just like to throw that out there that 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 did not happen. To congratulations yeah. to the Maine Celtics for sweeping the Westchester Knicks. But the Hornets uh are the Swarm. I mean, which I've become accustomed to seeing the Swarm just lose all of their games because they've been bad for most of their existence and when i checked the score and saw they beat the the knicks the westchester knicks by 43 it's like what what happened there and uh like shout out jt thor had 30 points in his assignment down there which is like good for him he 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 needs to be better um and and jello with his by far career best high as a pro. yeah yeah 26 points um this is about Mark Williams. He had 26 points and 12 rebounds uh, in the blowout win. And then they proceeded to play the next night against the Westchester Knicks and lose to the same team with the same players. And everybody else kind of came back down to earth except for Mark Williams, who had 37 points and 11 rebounds. So uh, what's that? Like 31 and a half points per game over the two games. Pretty good. 11 and a half rebounds. Yeah, he he's been incredible. His in seven G League games, he's at twenty three point six points per game, twelve point six rebounds, four point four of which uh, are offensive rebounds, and then two point three blocks and shooting sixty three point seven percent. Like, you can't really ask for anything more from a yeah. player like him. He I, does I, really well in pick and rolls. He defends the rim well. He finishes well. Like, it, there's nothing you'd want to see from him. He, Nothing I, I would like to see. see. I, w- I would like to see a couple more assists, but that's hard to do as a big in the G League. Yeah, right. not not that you. I want him to be like Mason Plumley, like facilitating the offense, but just like I I feel like an, a center getting like one and a half to two and a half assists per game just shows that they have a good feel for like dropping the ball off on a short roll 
or like kicking out after offensive rebounds and things like that. But those the assist numbers have tipped ticked up a little bit in the last couple of games as opposed to the first few. Um, but as important as the box score numbers, like the actual productivity itself and the way he's getting the numbers is encouraging. Like he's hitting, he's hit a couple face up jump shots. He's looking a lot more decisive and confident when he on the catch than he did in the summer league and in the preseason where he was a little slow to gather and his hands were kind of shaky. Like he looks comfortable now. And I know it's just the G league, but that's good that he's making demonstrable progress uh, from where we saw him in the summer. Yeah, he looks like he rolls way harder to the rim. And, like, I feel like one of the things that a lot of people, maybe not, like, were worried about but thought might hinder him a little bit in the NBA is that he's not, like, a great, like, fluid athlete. But he seems to be right now. Like, when he he sets a screen and, yeah, and he flips his hips open and, like, he takes, like, a couple big steps, like, towards the rim. Like, he covers a lot of ground and he can do it very quickly. He's not stiff, like, at all defensively. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that switches on to like smaller players on the perimeter and looks good like out on an island that's like nearly impossible to do if you're <laughs> as big as Mark is really. And like considering that NBA guards are so quick and shifty now, like, he, but he's going to be able to guard guys that are a little bit smaller than him, I think. And like small ball five matchups won't like eliminate him from being on the floor, which is like a, right. it was a concern uh, prior to it being drafted so i'd like to we'll, we'll i'd like to see it translate to the nba obviously but everything he's done in the g league has been encouraging well to circle this back to where we were with the center conversation it'd be nice and i don't know if we want to jump into it right away or i don't really care if we do but it'd be nice to see if again if this assuming the season continues down the path it's going that by the time we kind of get into january towards the all-star break that mesa plumley starts getting DMPCD'd and Mark Williams starts getting those minutes just to see if he's like, you know, what he's got at the NBA level. You know what I was actually thinking about? Um, There are a bunch of teams in the NBA that you could reasonably say need big man depth. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Plumlee is like one of the first or like not first, but more popular names to be shuffled mm-hmm. around at the deadline, along with Kelly Oubre, honestly. Yeah. Like I, both of those names seem like they're going to be gone. I, I, what, what do you think about like that that prospect, I guess? Because, yeah. I mean, that's still a long ways away, but I imagine that a lot of Hornets fans are either thinking about it themselves or have already I, thought I think that they're everybody's it. wishing <laughs> for it, I think. I don't think either yeah. of them are liked players. No, like, no uh, unfortunately. Um. I, I yeah, I think if you were to do like a like a uh, approval ratings, I think both of them pretty 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 bad approval ratings among Hornets fans. Um, I think they would be it would be like a swap of like expiring contracts, and the Hornets might get like a second round pick or something for especially for Plumley. Like they're not going to get. I don't think they're going to get anything of real significance for either of them. I think they uh, could get something Ubre, decent for for maybe. Kelly. I think yeah, they could Ubre, get a, maybe. a couple seconds, depends. like two seconds for Kelly or something. Yeah, it, it just depends on like kind of what shakes out in the rest of the trade market and who needs what. And I guess, and also kind of what Kelly does over the next couple months. Cause because he's so hot and cold, like if we get some good Kelly in January and February, like you can maybe convince some team that like this guy's got like some, can give you guys some scoring punch and some, uh, defensive versatility because he has been very good this year yeah steve steve clifford's definitely renewed him defensively yeah if nothing else i know he's not always 
super aware defensively, but he's a menace in terms of deflections and things like that. So I think I think he could fetch something of value. Plumlee's more of just like a we don't want him anymore. We'll, we'll take whatever anybody's willing to give us, just because anything's better than nothing type of situation. I think like in some team because I think some team is just trading for him for for depth, like you said, like uh, where like a player gets hurt and they like trade the injured. Like I'm thinking about like the Cavs with like Ricky Rubio or the Jazz with like Joe Ingles, where like. I don't remember who they traded them for, and I think they're more useful players than Plumlee, but they're like, well, you're out for the season and your contract's expiring, so we're just going to trade your cap figure to get a player that can actually play type of situation. Yeah, I was thinking, like, if looking at the East right now, like, there are a lot of teams here that are probably going to get, like, desperate at some point and are going to need, play, like, just it's basically Milwaukee and Boston are the top two, and then Cleveland is there. The Pacers, you can't imagine, are going to be buyers at the trade deadline. But then, no, like Philly, even if Atlanta, they are playing well, yeah. yeah, right. Like they, they, they've been really good so far. But it's, I feel like the whole NBA universe is kind of just waiting to be like, when are the Pacers going to have a five-game losing streak that puts them right. like under five hundred? But I mean, maybe it just never happens. But after that, it's like Philly, Atlanta, Toronto, Brooklyn, Washington, New York, Miami, Chicago. All of those teams thought they'd be better than they are right now yeah. the, Horn- the hornets did too but the hornets are in an even worse situation than any of them all of those teams especially the hornets the are, like are like last year's pacers yeah yeah literally like they're like oh okay. the, the pacers the, were like they beat us in the play-in they're like all right let's take the next step and then they're like oh never mind yeah they're like okay let's uh two steps back uh one yeah. step back two steps forward how about that but yeah like teams like new york chicago miami brooklyn like they're all gonna have to convince themselves like especially given the high salary like you know big name veterans they have on their team that they need help like the hornets are the team that's going to be giving away players in that regard like and like those that's going to work i think for both sides because the hornets probably aren't going to expect much from Plumley, like you've been saying like some protected second like a flyer on a young player or whatever because yeah. the hornets do have an open roster spot to play with also but uh and then like for kelly like you there, there's a chance if if he heats up like you could get maybe like if kelly Oubre, what does kelly Oubre have to do between now and the trade deadline to get a first round pick like have it like protected or whatever that would turn into two seconds but the, doing have what the he chance doing. of getting one like if he keeps doing what he is doing, you could get a team like, like how like first. I think pick, Philadelphia teams, is gonna is gonna have right. to do something like that. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, like, and I don't know off the top of my head. Like, I need to look at who whose picks they can't trade because of like the the Stepien rule and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I can see like. For teams that are trying to win, they don't care about first round picks, and so you could get like a team like Philadelphia or Phoenix, or cause especially because Kelly was really good in Phoenix when he was there, and they need to replace Jay Crowder. Um, like if, those kind of teams to give like a 2024 first round pick or something, just you know, cause even if they don't want to give up something this year, you know, they could just give up a future first because they don't care because future firsts don't exist for teams that are trying to win now. So I, I don't I, I think it's possible if he keeps playing this way and he keeps averaging close to 20 points a game and getting a bunch of deflections. I think if you really force the issue, it's I, I wouldn't say it's like easy or likely and I wouldn't to say it's like a failure if they don't. But it's possible that they can get 
a first for Kelly. Maybe not like a 2023 first, but a first round pick of some kind. Yeah, maybe like um like almost like what they gave to New York to get Kai Jones, like one right. that is like top 14, top 16, top 18 and then like two seconds or something, but Yeah. I think if any any Hornets fan that enjoys like the team transaction and like personnel movement part of the or aspect of the NBA, like there there's definitely some stuff to look forward to for the rest of the year for the Hornets because they have the opportunity to move some pieces around and do some fun stuff with the draft asset cupboard that they have. And obviously now <laughs> uh, I think many of us have turned our focus towards the lottery odds. Uh, so, and then that's another fun thing too is to go on Tankathon and see who who gets Victor <laughs> Wembanyama. How, how how many times do you have to simulate to get Victor Wembanyama? I Wembenyama. no joke, I did it the other day, and it took me like twenty five tar- tries to get the <laughs> I did that too. The first, let's do, it. <laughs> let's do it right now. Uh, great podcasting. Uh, sim lottery. We oh, I did on the first try. Nah, that's oh, I took <laughs> it took me four. So there we go. All right, this is good. The, things the, are turning the, the, around. Yeah, things are turning around. We went from twenty five to four. And now we just have to not do it again until the actual lottery. And then yeah. we'll both just get it on the first try and we'll be good. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so right, I got it right here in front of me. Draft lottery simulator, Charlotte Hornets first on the first try. So that's it. Like, Go ahead and give us the first pick. Um, oh, one other thing real quick on the buzzing. Uh, shout out, just because he deserves it, to Ashton Hagens. That was awesome. That game 22 was so assist sick. In the blowout win for his 22 assist triple-double. And then... Following it up with 30 points in the loss the next night. But, uh, so that's, uh, something I get, I guess, someone to keep your, keep an eye on if the season continues to go poorly. Cause, yeah. If, if Teo yeah. Maladon burns up those 52 way games and has to be elevated to the roster, like, why not put him on there if he keeps this up? Right. And I, 22, 22 assists is insane. Um, Second so, highest ever in the in G League history. The most in a in a triple double. That was that triple double was fresh off the plane too. Like he got signed. He he's been on three G League teams this year. Like he got <laughs> cut and waved and cut or signed and waved, signed, waved, signed with Greensboro. Got took a plane there, got off like probably three hours before the game. Uh this is a, such a classic G League scenario. This happens like all the time, especially in the last like couple or the last year when they had uh, like COVID issues and stuff, like he didn't have a name on the back of his Jersey because every team (laughs) has like a couple of uh, like blank ones in case a player gets there in a situation where Ashton did, like he gets off. Yeah. Because, because players are shuffling around so much and yeah, exactly. Like like, commercial flights and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Literally like he's like, Oh, my flight gets in at this time. Like someone picked me up from the airport. Like I'll just come to the game and start warming up. Like, yeah. (laughs) And then he gets off the plane and drops 22 assists with players. He's never played with before. And like uh, with coaches that he just met, like, or not just met all of them for the first time, but is just playing for, for the first time. Like it's, it's completely ridiculous that he was able to do that. He's got the same birthday as me, so that's cool. So, oh, that's really fan. cool. Look at that, big fan. <laughs> Not this is an Ashton Hagen podcast. I actually yeah. <laughs> really liked him uh, coming out of college. I think relative to consensus, I thought he'd be pretty good in the NBA. So, hopefully, he gets a shot. Yeah, somebody to to, to keep an eye on. Um, with that said, the Hornets going forward, we have the Wizards on Friday, and then Bucks, Clippers, Nets, Knicks, Seventy Sixers. Um, 
doesn't look great. A lot of them are at home. We got that. <laughs> I guess. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, four of the six are at home. Um, the ones that, but then the ones on the road are like the two teams that the Hornets might have, other than the the Wizards of the next five. Like the two teams, the Hornets probably have the best shot of beating are the ones that are on the road. And then I guess Philadelphia hinges on their health because like the version of the 76ers that the Hornets played last week is a winnable game. Obviously, the the real 76ers like Joel Embiid is going to have 40 points and 20 rebounds in the first half. Yeah, I think James Harden will definitely be back by that game too. So, yeah, I um, know he was supposed to try to come back like on this this weekend. I think right. Yeah, I think so. So that will yeah that one won't be a repeat performance of the uh, <laughs> day before or night before Thanksgiving game against Philadelphia. It's so funny too that it's like the Hornets had just won those two games in a row and like nobody's mood shifted at right, all. Right. Like everyone was just like, yeah, like that, it doesn't matter. Like this is still dreadful. And well, the, the next seven... game after that, it was the, everyone was proven right for their, for their pessimism. Right. The 76ers was like their B team basically. Cause they're missing their, what their four best players. Yeah. And then, uh, Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota was a legit win, but also like Minnesota has been. Yeah, they played well in that game. We give them credit. But but yeah, but I mean, you know, I, like you said, I think we've all we've seen enough to this point that, and also as Charlotte sports fans, we know that bad teams can occasionally play well. So it's like we're not going to overreact to that one. Oh yeah, yeah. This, it is the yeah. It's the NBA. They'll they'll win. They'll win some games. They got good players, but yeah. you know they they won't win uh, all of them as evidenced no. by. Right. So this next this next stretch, like, and I, I think part of it's probably just because of how bad they've played this year. But like, I'm looking through, basically like the end of the calendar year, and it's like Washington's winnable, and then it's just like that that list of teams that I rattled off, and then you have a Detroit game that's winnable, and then a bunch of teams, and then it's a West Coast road trip, which the Hornets will probably I would not be surprised if the Hornets don't win a single game on that road trip. Like the worst, they all the teams they play are good on the West Coast road trip. Like they, it's not like they mix in like the Thunder or uh, like Houston or yeah, they're really there yeah, aren't like yeah, they they just yeah, and they the only or bad team that, coincidentally the only bad team they play is the Lakers. So yeah, um, but if they all and they ha- that team has LeBron James, so I can't imagine that <laughs> that's going to go well. Yeah, yeah. right. It, so it, it's like I don't, I just don't see wins on the schedule right now. Uh, so it, and I think I said, part of it, I think is just the quality of the Hornets this year. Cause normally like you look at the schedule and it's like, all right, like you can find a chunk of games where it's like, Oh, there's a, a winnable stretch of games in there. But I feel like there's so few teams that you feel comf- like confident w- uh, in the Hornets ability to beat that. I j- you can't find more than like two in a row that like, Oh, there's some games the Hornets could win. So you know how, like, a couple months ago, or probably a week or, or a month ago, the Hornets got flexed out of that national TV game? Yes. The la- They have one more, or two more, actually, remaining. Uh, it's January 26th against Chicago and February 10th against Boston. What are the chances they play both of those games on national TV? Um, the TNT one, they probably do. Just if, Lamello, like the- if Lamello and Lonzo are both healthy... I was going to say, the LaMelo and Lonzo both being healthy, and then just the NBA is usually pretty 
the cupboard's pretty bare on Tuesdays and Thursdays. True. There's probably true. won't be many games to replace it with. But the ESPN one on a Wednesday, or I guess it's a Friday, but either way, the ESPN one against Boston, pretty... I, I would I would definitely bet that they don't play that one on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, the, the this stretch coming up, like... I mean, every stretch that you have, no matter how many games you want to block it off into, is uh, like a season-defining stretch. But this is really, really going to be it. Like, I, I think that they might have been broken uh, with that 35-point loss against Boston, the, the front office, by I mean, by they uh, and their hopes and spirits for this year. But, like, a homestand, if you lose most of these games to, like, Milwaukee, Washington, L.A., New York atlanta like and you're you're at home like you're not healthy but like you haven't been healthy all season so you that can't be an excuse for everything every time right like if you don't salvage it like literally right now yeah that's it like it's yep. just that that's it, it yep there's there's six of six of eight at home before they play six straight on the road out west Yep. And if they haven't gotten themselves, if they don't get very hot on this homestand, like, because they're going to lose, they're almost assuredly going to lose ground on the West Coast road trip. The Hornets always lose ground on their West Coast road trips. I don't think, I can't remember the last time they played well on a West Coast road trip. So they're going to lose ground on that. If they don't, like, make up some ground beforehand, I don't, there's just, they have no shot. Yeah. I mean, it, like, it's it sucks given the expectations, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's a uh, a much longer, uh, multiple podcast long philosophical discussion, I guess, that we could have on whether or not it's a good, <laughs> a, a good thing that they're going to be losing it, these games. I if, guess if if nothing else, I don't know a whole lot about it yet, and there's always it's always optimistic at this time, but the lottery next year looks crazy. I do. Like, I do I, think obviously, it's be good. Women Yama, obviously, women Yama is like the big prize, and Scoot is like. The normally would be the big prize that happens to be in the same draft as women yama it's like john morant zion williamson type of situation but uh even beyond them like that next tier of players looks really really good yeah as long, if you're in the top five you're getting a guy that's got a pretty strong chance to be the the first or second best player on a really really good playoff team like uh webby and scoot are awesome like amon thompson with overtime elite is awesome. Cam brother. Whitmore and Nick Smith. Yeah, Asor is awesome too. Cam Whitmore and Nick Smith haven't even played in college yet, but they're like the two best NCAA freshmen, probably. Mm-hmm. Duke has a couple of good players. Keontae George from Baylor. Like Brandon Miller has been turning heads from Alabama. Like Grady Dick from Kansas is good. Kalel Ware. Like there, there's a Jarace Walker, Anthony Black. Like <laughs> there's a long, long list of players that are like already proving to be like very very worthy lottery top 10 top five selections so we have like we have that to look forward to like if you like (laughs) the the team building aspect of basketball the horn this hornet season is very much not over if you only root for wins then god bless you sorry (laughs) (laughs) otherwise we got we've got some stuff to talk about here yep uh anything else before we call it a show uh i think that'll do it for me this time around All right, well, we'll we'll be back uh, soon to talk more about Hornets basketball. And uh, I don't know. We'll see see how these next couple of games go because I think this is a pretty season-defining homestand. 
and uh we will recap that when it's all done we'll talk to you guys next time thanks for listening everyone see ya